comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, what is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast, coming at you with another Pupcast edition of the show. I'm your host. My name is Trone. And for today, we're going to be going over the, the New Mexico game, which for me was last night a little bit, uh, as well as just some of the more long-term ramifications of that game and and kind of what we hope to see next, I think, as fans. Uh, the game last night was was rough. I didn't get to see the first half. I'm really hoping somebody posted on YouTube today. There's a couple accounts that are pretty good about posting games, but they post national games. They don't always post Aztec games, so there's no way to know for sure. Uh, if if it's going to get posted. So, you know, my thoughts mostly come from the second half because that's what I was able to see. The first half, obviously, they're down 10 at the half, and that's not, it's not a great look. It's not a great way to start the game. It was 28 to 38, so the offense wasn't rolling. The defense, I had, you know, in my mentions, I had some disagreement about whether the defense was objectively really bad or whether it was more so the offense was letting the defense down. And realistically, it could be either one with how easy it is to have one thing flow into the other thing in this game, right? If the offense is doing okay, but maybe having a lot of turnovers, which I don't think they did. They only had six turnovers in the half, but if all those turnovers lead to points, it's going to be hard for the defense to keep up if the offense keeps coughing the ball up, right? So the truth might be somewhere in the middle, but... We are going to, we're going to focus on the second half is what we're going to do. Coming out into the second half, though, the Aztecs were on their game. It seemed like uh, they still couldn't really hit deep shots or or free throws all terribly well. Uh, but I thought they did a much better job finding ways to get the ball into the lane and close to the basket and scoring that way. I think the very first play was a pick and roll and New Mexico blew the coverage and Matt Bradley found Nathan Mensa for an easy dunk. And those types of plays, like when the ball is struggling to go in, you need to get it close to the rim so that you can make those types of plays. So that was encouraging the Aztecs went on they opened up the half on a 14 to 5 run which is fantastic right the defense was locked in they were getting turnovers they were finding ways to score and so that was all really really encouraging 14 to 5 doesn't doesn't you know tie the game when you're down 10 but it's awfully it's awfully close so all of a sudden the Aztecs are are back in it then it started to slow down, right? And, and the teams were kind of scoring pretty even with each other. The game started to get mucked up. Obviously, uh, the big the big turning point, and I don't think anybody would, would disagree with this, was, was the Nathan Mensah technical, right? 
Uh, obviously, Lobo fans are happy that that's the turning point, but that's that's the big turning point. Nathan Mensah got a, a reaching foul, and it's it's one of those fouls. I'm not gonna lie. Oftentimes, I don't mind when he does those reaches. I do think he should be a little bit smarter about when he does them, but oftentimes I don't mind that he does them. Uh, I think I'm a little bit in the minority there, and that includes, as I found out listening to the wrap-up show with John Schaefer, Coach Dutcher isn't a big fan of those reach-ins either. So that's interesting to note. Uh, So Nate gets one of those reaching calls probably shouldn't have been a call in in the moment when that first whistle was blown I wasn't too upset about it and the reason was they had just showed a replay of a previous defensive possession of the Aztecs and it kind of looked like somebody may have gotten away with some type of foul nothing nothing major just smacking an arm on a layup and New Mexico didn't get that call right and so it's one of those things where refs miss calls sometimes I don't even think it's a makeup call I don't really believe in in makeup calls unless maybe if there is uh some type of like the refs make a call and they go to the replay board and can very obviously see that there's a makeup call but like a makeup call because fans are booing no way that's not an actual thing and if you've refed a game I think I think you know that uh so you know, I, I don't think the reaching was a makeup call. I think it was just a bad call. It, it was hard to tell in the replay to get confirmation of whether or not it was bad, but it, it seemed bad. And then Mensa is visibly upset because it's a bad call. And he does some gesture and, and probably has some language. We don't know what he said, but he gets a, a T for it, right? He gets teched up. That seemed seemed bogus. I said it last night on the Twitter spaces. Even uh, Jeff Jeff Grammer from who writes for you know New Mexico he covers New Mexico basketball probably one of the better journalists if not the best journalist in the Mountain West realistically uh, he he mentioned it too he he thought that that tech was was a bad call uh, and and I think the reason for me aside from just you know this guy is mad he. He cusses, he maybe, he didn't like getting in a ref's face or anything though, right? So putting all that aside, even if, even if like the rules say, if you gesture like that and if you talk like that, you should get a tech. Okay, that's fine. But Jalen House had been doing that all game, all game. He had been doing that, right? And I'm not even like, I, was, I didn't love it, but I, I probably just didn't love it because he's a Lobo, right? Uh, and and his team is is winning so there's that to take into account but he was doing it all game and he didn't get teched he did eventually towards the end of the game with like five minutes left he finally got a technical but along the same lines i kind of thought that one was bogus too because he's doing the same thing he's been doing all game why is he only getting a technical for it now like if you're a ref and you're trying to get control of this game, that needed to happen a lot earlier. A lot earlier for that to happen. And it didn't. So honestly, both the technicals were probably pretty bogus. But focusing on Mensa, he gets his fourth foul. Then he gets a technical. That's a fifth foul. 
Jalen House makes both free throws and then also drains a three on the ensuing possession. And that was pretty much the game. That was pretty much it. The team, uh, you know, definitely looked shaken after that, uh, which, which is understandable. And obviously we want them to have more composure in those situations, but realistically it's understandable that that might happen. Matt Bradley was talking in the postgame show about how he thought they didn't lose their composure and they were there and focused and trying to fight back, but they just, uh, you know, after that, they, they, they really stopped trying to get the ball inside and they just kind of started jacking up threes, uh, not even really great threes. It wasn't like they were, you know, having somebody like Seiko, like run off of a floppy screen or something like that, right? They were just kind of pass the ball. Oh, this person has it. Stand there for a second. Great. Let's shoot a three, right? They weren't, they weren't great threes. So that was discouraging, right? If they keep the focus and keep trying to work the ball inside, maybe they can do something there. Uh, but they don't, they, they settle for threes that hadn't been falling all night. And New Mexico is able to build up another, a 13 point lead this time. Uh, you know, so we, we, we give the Aztecs credit for fighting back from that first 10 point deficit at the half. They fought back again from that 13 point deficit, got it down to four with help from that technical, but also the lead was built with help from the technical. So that kind of sort of evens out a little bit. Uh, you know, Adam Seiko has the same five point run that Jalen house had after house's technical. So, you know, there's that, but I think the encouraging part is that the Aztecs were able to fight back from two big deficits. The less encouraging part is that, I mean, for one, they didn't, they didn't succeed in it. Uh, and for two, it was just, it's just a bad game, just a bad game overall. So that I think is the overall game review, the overall, the overall narrative story of just what happened during the game. Aside from just that narrative aspect and and momentum aspect, were there other things that I would have liked to see happen differently? And and besides just shots going in, sure, absolutely, right? Uh, I mean, I think every game there's going to be things like that. Even in a win, there's going to be things that I would like to see done differently. It's the, the, the first thing that comes to mind, it's hard to peg to what extent this is coaches versus players because it's one of those things that you know, the coaches could be getting on the players to do, but the players then have to execute it. Um, I, I tend to think it's probably a little bit of, of both. Like the coaches aren't emphasizing as much as I would like. And then as a result, the players aren't as ready to capitalize on these things when they happen as they could be. Uh, but Ladie, I, I mean, I've been harping on him for a while. He needs to get more touches in the post, I think just in general. And that is even more so in a game like last night. And the reason is because uh, they would, they, New Mexico was picking on Ladie defensively, 100%. They knew in their scouting report that if they could get him switched onto somebody like House or Mashburn, that their guards would cook, right? Because Ladie, he, as much as people wanted to compare him to Yanni Wetzel, coming into the season he doesn't have those quick feet that lateral quickness the way that Yanni did 
right? And that doesn't mean Ladie can't be a really good player in his own right. It's just a different type of player, right? So Ladie isn't as suited for the switching style of defense as guys like Mensa are. I mean, really nobody is to the extent that Mensa is, but he's, he's just not as well suited for it. So on these switches against really good guards, guys like Mashburn, guys like House, uh, we got Colorado State coming up. Guys like Stevens might be able to take advantage of this. I would, I would expect uh, guys of that nature, right? They're going to be able to take advantage of Ladie defensively. And the options there are to either not switch and just keep Ladie in a drop defense where he just stays in the paint, basically, which is going to give up other things, right? Or... Uh, you, you you keep him switching and just ask him to do his best and he'll he'll do what he can against those elite guards it's not going to be great but it is it is what it is you know hopefully they take step back twos and step back threes to to create that separation and those generally aren't great looks those elite guards can hit them though and you just kind of live with the results but that being said if that's the decision you're going to make, if you're going to say, we're going to live with these results, that's fine. But then you need to find a way to make Ladie positive elsewhere, right? And especially if he's getting switched, it's going to be hard for him to be a positive on the boards the way he really wants to be because, because he's, he's being pulled out to the perimeter, right? So he's not in a great position to get those rebounds. And in the meantime, a guy like Udezi is in great position because he's down there with somebody like Butler or Tremel or, or Bradley trying to box him out, and it's not going to work out well. So you need to find a way to make Lydia positive elsewhere. And the way to do that is by getting him the ball in the post. And this is doubly true. This is what made me, me think of it even more. And I think it happened after Mensa fouled out, right? When the team needs to get plays in the paint might not have I'd have to rewatch the tape to confirm but I'm pretty sure at least one of the times this happened it was after that you get they would have uh Bradley with the ball which makes sense right he's the best offensive player on the team at, le at least when he's when he's on at the very least right so you get Bradley the ball he's in a pick and roll with Ladie and so that's that's fine uh but New Mexico started switching that right and they may have been switching all game but they definitely started switching that and so now you have Bradley being guarded by Big and Ladie being guarded by somebody like Jamal Mashburn who is what 62 I think and normally in those situations generally speaking if you take just any random players and plug them into the situation what you're trying to do is get a big switched on to a small so it's whoever was guarding Bradley, whether it's, I don't know if it was Udezi or Alec or, or Beck or Deck or Kent or who, I don't know. I, I wasn't super up to who their backup bigs were, but whoever it was, that's normally the matchup you're trying to get because this smaller guard is faster and can get by and now there's no protection at the rim or they can take a step back jumper that, that Bradley can hit. So that's normally what you're going to want to do, whereas oftentimes these big men aren't skilled enough that they can score even when it's somebody much smaller guarding them right so so sure normally when you get that switch 
you're you're hoping Bradley takes that shot or a guy like Bradley's taking that shot. That being said, if Ladie is out there doing it and a guy like Mashburn is guarding him, get the ball to Ladie. Right? If a guy like House is guarding him, get the ball to Ladie. And they may they may strip it sometimes. It's it's not out of the question, right? They both have fast hands, especially House, right? He is he's been in my composite metric, he's been First off, I mean, the best player the Mountain West has seen since the 13-14 season up to this point. Uh, like, if he keeps this pace, he's going to finish with the best rating in that composite metric back to that point, right? He's been so elite. Uh, but also, he's been the best defender according to that metric as well. When you combine all the defensive metrics, he's he's number one in that spot, and it's not particularly close. So, like, he can strip the ball. He can do some things but if he doesn't though Ladie has the size the strength and the skill to score on a guy like House or Mashburn and there won't be a lot they can do about it right and so I would have loved to see them get the ball to Ladie more because that accomplishes a number of things one you get the ball into into the paint into close to the rim which is how they had their comeback in the second half to begin with, right? It wasn't by draining threes. It was largely by getting the ball inside for easier shots. Uh, so number one, check, right? You have a mismatch, a big on a small and a big who can take advantage of the small. Check, right? Uh, if they just play it straight up, Ladie likely, like the chances are really good. He's either one going to score or two. If he doesn't score, he's probably getting fouled right? I'd say probably like if you did that seven times, Ladie on Mashburn, or sorry, 10 times Ladie being guarded by Mashburn, he probably either scores or gets fouled like seven of those 10 times, right? At least, at least seven of those 10 times. And so that's, that, that should be easy points. And then on the times where he doesn't score, if he gets fouled, first off, he might still score, right? He's not the best free throw shooter, but he might still get at least a point out of it, hopefully. But now you're putting a guy like Mashburn in foul trouble, right? Who's one of their best offensive players. Or if you if you end up getting house on Ladie, you end up getting house into foul trouble, right? Who's who's carries their team and is the best player in the conference so far. So getting these guys into foul trouble, I think, could be so beneficial. And it's something that you really need to start focusing on if somebody like Mensa is out of the game, because if not, these guys are going to take advantage of you offensively. And so you need to get them into foul trouble or, or just make it so that like, you know, they can't guard your guy. Right. And then if New Mexico adjust and they start sending doubles into the post, okay, well now the defense is, is broken. And, you know, at the very least you get a wide open three that might not be the best in a game like last night because the threes weren't falling, sure. But, I mean, it's better than these, you know, a, a wide-open catch-and-shoot catch three is better than one of these, you know, dribble-dribble, hold the ball for a couple seconds and then shoot or, or whatever was happening, right? Uh, or maybe you can attack a closeout and get the ball up to the rim that way and maybe even draw another foul that way, right, while you're attacking the closeout. So, like... That was something I would have liked to have seen a lot more than than what happened. And maybe the result doesn't change. 
and honestly, maybe it's even still the same score, right? There's no way we can know for sure, but that felt to me like that would have been a better process. It would have helped the outcome be better than it was. So I'm still out here on my soapbox calling for Ladie to get more post touches, and especially if he's in a mismatch like that, and then double especially if he's in a mismatch like that and the team is having trouble shooting the ball, right? So that's something that would have been nice to see last night. We'll see how the team responds. How they respond is going to be very crucial to how the rest of the season goes, but we'll see how they respond. Let's talk more long-term how this impacts things and what to look for next. Okay, long-term... What are we looking at here? Well, the first thing I think we're looking at is how does the team respond? They have two games on the road coming up, one against Colorado State, one against the Air Force. Neither of those are, are bad teams. Hopefully we can we can get over this notion that like Mountain West teams are are bad this year or that like there are any easy wins in this conference this year. Hopefully we can get over that. Uh these are good teams, right? We need to realize as fans, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners, if not all of the listeners, realize this already, but like there are levels, right? It's not just teams are top 25 or they're trash. There are levels to this. These teams are good. They may not be great. They may not be elite, but they are good teams. And especially on the road, these are going to be tough environments against good teams at elevation. So, you know, it's not take these games lightly. These aren't gimme games, right? So the team is going to need to respond well in order to come out with wins against these next two opponents. So that's number one. I think in order to to recalibrate our expectations, what we need to ask ourselves as fans, and to a certain extent, the team will need to ask themselves, but for slightly different reasonings, we need to ask ourselves to what extent was the New Mexico game self-inflicted damage or maybe just some type of some type of off game right where the the guys just didn't have it collectively as a group and that that happens right I'm sure any of y'all that have played sports even if it's not like officially even if it's just for for some type of rec team or or even just like pick up hoops I'm sure you've realized that at the very least you as an individual sometimes have days have games where you're just not on it for whatever the reason might be right there's just things that you can normally do that that don't work right now similarly there's games where you can't do anything wrong right I'm not a good basketball player person personally right I I I I understand like how things work on the basketball court but I don't have the athleticism or the skill base to like take advantage of most of what I see when I'm on the floor uh but there are games, man, where I go out and I hit like three or four threes in a game and everybody's like, you have to guard this guy. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, no, you don't. No, you don't. I'm not a good player, right? So it, it can go both ways. And so it, it could definitely be at least partially that, right? Uh, and, and listening to Matt Bradley in the wrap-up show, he sounded like he was thinking this game was more was more self-inflicted it was just these guys had an off game they weren't able to execute things that they can normally execute and so that's that's what cost them the game right it wasn't so much anything new mexico did which doesn't at least isn't intended to take away credit from them but 
you know, maybe it does a little bit, but it's mostly just self-inflicted is what he's saying. Or is it the inverse, converse, one of the two, where New Mexico is playing well and doing things to really get the Aztecs out of their rhythm and get them out of their their swagger and all that stuff, right? If it's the first one, if it's the Aztecs just had a bad game, well, that's kind of encouraging. Hopefully they don't have any more for the season, although it's not super realistic, but hopefully uh, over the next couple games, right, the next three or four, they can have all good games, and hopefully when they play New Mexico in the pit, they can have a good game, right? If it's just self-inflicted and they're just having an off day. If it's something New Mexico did to them, then one, the rematch in the pit is going to be tough. And two, uh, it might be something that other teams can do to them as well, right? So in terms of, like I said, calibrating those expectations, that's something we want to look for just as fans, right? Which one do you think it is? And realistically, it's probably a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both, but to what extent is each one, each of its things, right? Is... uh Bradley not shooting well because guys are getting into him and mucking him up, uh, or did he just have an off night? Right. Similarly, Darian Trammell, who's who seems to have been in a funk for a little while, right? And I posted that during the game that he just seems like he hasn't had his swagger, uh, and and I meant like for the past couple of games it's kind of seemed like that. But people saying like Jalen House got in his head, right? And it kind of did seem like House maybe was in his head a little bit, right? Trammell is a good player, but House has been elite this year, so. You know, how does that work out? Because if House was in his head, that's that's a really good player for the Aztecs that's now that's now neutralized and can't do anything to to also slow down House at all. So it's problematic, right? So hopefully it's more of the first one. I I it's hard for me to say for sure without seeing the first half. I think the second half kind of indicates that there was a lot of just self-inflicted harm. And even when they were rolling, there were little things like passes in transition that weren't contested at all that they just like miffed on. Right. Um, so I think there are things to indicate that to a certain extent it was an off night. I think also to a certain extent, some of that was forced by New Mexico. I think if the Aztecs are on, this is a team that they can, that they can beat. It's just a matter of, are they going to be on? Right. I think when you have a team that's inconsistent, which the Aztecs seem to be, you always wonder, like, which team is the real team? And normally the answer is it's somewhere in the middle, right? They aren't this team that's super hot, like the first 35 minutes against Nevada. They aren't this team that's that's really bad. Uh, but with this team, it seems like it's not somewhere in the middle. It seems like it's one or the other, which is problematic. And hopefully we can get the hot version a lot more than the cold version, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens i guess the metrics took a hit obviously uh they they aren't looking bad they're all kind of in the 30 range right ken palm dropped down to 29 after last night the net dropped to 30 so you're looking in that seven eight seat range based off of those metrics new mexico is currently a quad two loss could end up being a quad one loss, one loss by the end of the year. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't like take up anybody and say like, yeah, I'll bet you a hundred dollars that New Mexico is a top 30 team in the net by the end of the season. But it wouldn't surprise me if that happened. So that's something else to consider that like the Aztecs still, when it's all said and done, might not have any 
losses outside of quad one at the end of the year. So we will see. I think if the Aztecs beat the Lobos in New Mexico, that'll make it more likely that it's a quad two loss. But then you get a quad one win on the road. So I think that's a worthy trade-off if that happens. So we'll just we'll just have to see here what happens. But I think Aztec fans, I think that does it for this one. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening, and we will catch you next time.